0: Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, Certified Career Coach and Job Search Advisor with iHire. iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire. In this episode, I'm devoting the entire thing to resume writing and the most frequently asked questions that I get as a career coach. If you're like many job seekers that I talk to, writing a resume is a real challenge. And why wouldn't it be? It's not something you do every day. It's something that you do once every few years. And the rules are always changing about what you should include now and what you shouldn't include now. But don't worry, I am here to help. We're going to talk about things like how to format your resume, what should be on your resume, what should not be on your resume, and how to tailor your resume for every job you apply to. I'm excited to share some of the tips and tricks that I've learned over the years from our professional resume writing staff at iHire, and also what I've picked up through articles and just providing career advice to people. So let's get started. Here are the latest trends, topics, and tips that will help you in your job search. Most of the time I spend in career coaching is talking to people about their resumes and their cover letters and just what they can do better, especially on the resume side of it. So I'm going to dedicate this entire segment to how you can be better when writing your resume. Now, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that if you can afford to have your resume professionally written, you should go that route. Because it just takes such a burden off of you. People can really get bogged down with the whole idea of writing their resume, what should go on it, what shouldn't go on it. If you have a professional writer and they are helping you outline what your work experience has been they know. They know how long your resume should be. They know how much of your work experience to include. They know what the skills and your summary section should look like. They know how to put it together. So you'll never have that little nagging thought in the back of your mind about, well, am I not getting phone calls because I wrote my own resume? Is there something wrong with my resume? That's usually what people are, are calling and asking me about. What? Could I do different? What did I do wrong? Because I'm not getting calls. And if you get a professional writer, you won't have to worry about that. We start talking about what you can do with your resume. There's some things that you should know about. Let's talk first about recruiters. Recruiters are the people that are working in the HR divisions of the company, and they are extremely busy people. In fact, with the labor shortage that's going on right now, Recruiters could look at a hundred different resumes a day, and it's not just for one job, they might have five or six jobs that they're screening resumes for. One of the most important things I tell people is don't force the recruiter to do the extra work to try to figure out what you're applying for. So many times, I see candidates sending in resumes that are one size fits all. I looked at a resume the other day and the person said, well, I can do HR and I can do sales and I can do marketing. Those are three very different career paths and you might think sales and marketing are very similar but they are different so what i recommended to that person was get three different resumes have three different resumes written or write them yourself so that one follows the career path of hr and you're really capitalizing on the hr experience you've had The other one is sales. This person was very experienced in the sales realm. They had over 30 years of experience in all of these areas. So they had enough that they could do a targeted resume for each one of those career paths. I'll tell you, a one-size resume does not fit all because it forces that recruiter to try to figure out what you're applying for, and you don't want to do that. You want to connect as many dots for that recruiter as you can who are looking at those hundreds of resumes. And because these recruiters are looking at so many resumes, that's why the adoption of applicant tracking systems has been so high. And the recruiters love these systems because What an applicant tracking system basically does is it reads the keywords in the job description you're applying for, and then it reads the keywords in the resume that's coming through. And then it gives that resume a score. So if you have all of the right keywords in your resume, then it's more likely that you're going to get through that applicant tracking system and to an actual person, to the actual recruiter, so that they can look at your resume. One of the ways that you know that your resume has gone through an ATS quickly, have you ever received one of those emails 10 minutes after you applied that says, oh, thank you for applying, but no thanks, basically? Well, that means that your resume probably got scanned through the applicant tracking system, you didn't have enough keywords, you didn't score high enough, and the system put you into the the pile of candidates that they weren't going to call, and then that automated email triggered back to you just to let you know that you were not in the running for that position. Most resumes are going to go through this applicant tracking system. You should write your resume as if it will go through this applicant tracking system just to be safe. Some smaller companies don't have these, and that's cool. If you apply to one of those companies and you get actual human eyeballs on your resume, that is ideal. That's best case scenario. But plan on that resume going through an applicant tracking system. So what information should you include on your resume? Well, just remember the top of your resume is super important Recruiters look at your resume on average between six and 15 seconds. They're just scanning through. So you have to make it very easy for them to scan through, look at the important dates, look at the important information. So you should have at the top of your resume, your contact information, your name, phone number, city, state, zip only, no physical address. Don't put your physical address on there anymore. And your LinkedIn profile. If you have it, put a link in there on the digital version and then put the actual URL for your LinkedIn profile on there. You should also have a skills section towards the top of your resume immediately after the summary section. And that skills section will be important for you because that's where you'll be able to swap out some of the skills that you have with some of the skills in the job description. If you're looking at the job description and looking at the keywords and it says that Excel is a very important keyword for that job. You'll want to swap out one of the keywords in your skills section for the word Excel. Take those skills out that maybe aren't relevant to this particular position and swap in the ones that are. Follow up your skills section with your work experience section and then your education And then your awards and achievements, if there's room. Usually we like to keep resumes at one to two pages. Probably no need to go any longer than that, unless you're writing a CV. And that's a whole nother podcast about how to write a CV. But for a resume, one to two pages is usually standard. What about the things you should not include on your resume? That would be your picture. In some countries, it's totally normal to put a picture on your resume, but in the U.S., don't put a picture on your resume. Don't include your marital status, any personal information. You don't have to include your hobbies or personal interests. You don't want to include any typos or grammatical errors. There are so many programs between Word and Grammarly and things that will check your resume for spelling and grammar. Make sure that you check it and make sure that you're also proofreading it and then have someone else proofread it for you. People are happy to do that because I know what it's like to spend hours working on a resume and. When you're trying to proofread your own stuff, you don't see what you don't see. I mean, you just, it is so difficult to find those errors on your own. And someone else can pick up your resume and say, oh, well, you need to change these things. Bottom line, check for typos check for grammar mistakes, and have someone else proofread your resume. Do not include that old statement at the bottom of your resume that says references are available upon request. That will date you faster than anything. 40 years ago, that's what you'd put on your resume. But now, just have a separate reference sheet that you can hand someone in an interview if they ask for it. Don't include your landline, and I'll also give you a little bit of a warning about old email addresses. AOL and Yahoo, those things could also date you. You don't want to include work experience that's any more than 15 to 20 years old at the very most. Your resume does not have to be a complete diary of every job that you've ever held. Your resume is a marketing piece. Your resume is what is going to get you through that door. So include work experience from the last 15 to 20 years only, because if you start including other things from further back than that, then you start to age yourself. Also, when you're talking about dates of schooling Do not include the dates that you graduated from college or that you graduated from high school. Do not include that year. It's not relevant. And just the fact that you can say, I graduated with this degree should be all the employer really needs to know. I also like to tell people you can leave off the months when you are defining a date. So for instance, if you worked somewhere between July of 2019 to present, all you need to really say is, I work there from 2019 to present. You don't have to include the month of July. And that also helps you. Sometimes people will have gaps of a few months on their resume and they're really worried about that. They're really worried like, What's the employer going to think of me because I didn't work for that six months? Well, just including the year solves that problem. So if you can say 2019 to present, nobody has to know that you were unemployed for a few months in 2019 so which parts of your resume will you tailor for the job well if your resume is well written the only parts that you'll really need to focus on when you're tailoring it for the job and you're pulling those keywords out of the job description i would change the summary paragraph slightly To detail why you would be a good fit for that position and how your experience works into that position. And I would focus on that skills section. As I talked about before, look at the keywords on that job description. If you have a list of maybe 15 keywords in your skills section, swap out some of those keywords so that they are more tailored to that job description. Which resume format will work for me? Well, there are three different types of format. There is a chronological type of a resume. And that basically lists your work experience with more detail. And that's in reverse chronological order. So you'll want to have your latest job at the top of your resume and then work your way back from there. Then there's a functional resume, and that resume focuses more on your skills and your expertise rather than giving all of the details of your work history. You're still going to put your work history on there, but each job will basically be one line in your work history. A hybrid resume highlights your skills and achievement sections first, and then that's followed up by work experience. And you can be a little bit more detailed about each job in the work experience section of a hybrid resume. If you don't know what resume format is right for you, iHire has many articles that really go into detail and will give you some very good examples and even templates that you can use for your resume. And this is where a professional writer will really be able to understand what you do and understand which format will work best for you while still hiding your skills and expertise and work experience. Should you tailor your resume to a specific job? Absolutely. You have to tailor your resume to every job that you're applying for. If you don't, it is a huge waste of time. Employers know when you have not put that effort in. And employers are giving you a clue about what keywords to use in your resume based on the job description. So employers are telling you exactly what they need to see in your resume. You just have to be able to pull it out. Now, there's a couple different ways to do that. You could do it the old fashioned way and you could print out the job description, use a highlighter and start highlighting all of the keywords you find in that job description. Or iHire really speeds this up for you. We've got two tools. We have something called the job x-ray. And that is basically what the job x-ray is doing. It is looking at the keywords in that job description and it's highlighting them for you so that you can use those in your resume. And then we also have something called the iScore Resume Match. And running your resume through that tool will give you a score and will let you know basically how you're going to do in an applicant tracking system. And if you have enough of those keywords in your resume, I really encourage you to use those tools. They are very sophisticated and they will save you hours in trying to determine which keywords to put in your resume have gaps in my resume? Well, there's a couple of different things you can do. I really like to see this explained more on the cover letter than on the resume, but if it's a large gap and you really feel like you need to explain it, go ahead and just include one or two brief sentences about the gap and why there was a gap, but then go into more detail on that in the cover letter. Should I include a cover letter on my resume? Absolutely, even if the employer doesn't ask for one, you should include a cover letter and that cover letter should be personalized for that position. Don't just find a cover letter template, a generic standard template that is boring and doesn't show any of your personality. You want your personality to shine through. This is part of your first impression. It's part of your marketing material. So put that work into it. Put that effort into it. I see people doing this only for jobs that they really think they're interested in. A lot of people will just say, well, I'm wishy-washy on this job. I don't know if I really want to call about this job, but I'd like to apply. So I'm not going to put in the effort. You know what, if you are applying for that job, put in the effort, put in that extra 10 or 15 minutes or whatever it's going to take to customize your resume, customize your cover letter. Bottom line is that, yes, your cover letter explains to the employer why you are a good fit for that position and why they should bring you in for an interview. All right, that's all for the mailbag session. I can't believe I talked this long on on just the resume. Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.colle at ihire.com. Thanks for listening.